You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. you've met somebody who you didn't know. You started talking to them and all of a sudden something's clicking. You're like, wait a minute, you're a brother or a sister. And you know that because they're speaking the same language through the spirit. They're speaking that. The language of fellowship transcends language. It transcends culture. It transcends class and it transcends race. Race is not an issue when you're a Christian. Race is no longer an issue. Because we're all one in Jesus Christ. In this day and age, we're often too afraid of the consequences of speaking God's Word to actually do it. In today's message, Pastor Dave reminds us that God's Word isn't exclusive. We're called to preach the gospel to everybody, no matter their upbringing, class, race, background, or any other factors. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he continues his message, Greater is He. I am telling you today the same thing John has told his readers, that we are overcomers. We are overcomers, and John repeats it one more time. You'll hear it a lot today, and that's okay. We can never hear it enough. Because, 4C, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is greater than he who is in the world, Satan, and all his minions, all his allies put together, God is greater. The Holy Spirit is greater. He has placed it in you. The child of God doesn't have to fear the spirit of the Antichrist. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's our resource to victory. It's the presence of indwelling of Jesus Christ that makes the victory happen and possible. And if we rely on him, he is in you, instead of relying on ourselves or the world, we'll have victory. But we so many times think, I can do this. I can handle this. Watch this. I'll roll up my sleeves and I can handle this. I can do this. And we find out so badly that we cannot. We cannot. This understanding not only gives me great confidence, but it gives me spiritual power. For walking in the truth, victory is assured to me. As I walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, I have victory over the old nature, over the fallen nature, over the flesh. I have victory over the flesh. It's not wishful thinking. It's a positive statement. It's a fact. Believe it. Believe it. It's a fact. This means... That as a Christian, there's no place for fear in my life. We talked about this the other day. Fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. Oh, yes, we do have many spiritual enemies, but not one of them is greater than Jesus Christ who lives with you. So what is Christ greater than? Well, he's greater than any person. He's greater than any place. He's greater than any problem. Christ is greater than any storm 
that is coming your way or any storm you are in right now. Christ is greater than that. You may be facing a nasty storm. Winds may be blowing. The boat may be rocking. The waves might be coming over the boat. You might feel like you're going to be overwhelmed. You might feel like you might even be sinking. Christ is greater than that. Christ is greater than those waves coming into your boat. He's greater than the little boat you're sitting in. He's greater than the leaks in the boat. He's greater than the air. He's greater than the sky. Don't you remember Mark 4, 39? He arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace be still. And the wind sliced and calmed. God wants to bring peace to your storm today. That storm you're in right now, God says, I'm your peace. In me, you'll have peace. God is greater than any sorrow you may be feeling today. And this is a time of sorrow. Many people are very sorrowful around the holidays. But God is greater than any sorrow you may be feeling in your life today, whether it be a death of a loved one, whether it be a relationship problem, whether it be a disappointment. God is greater. Christ is greater than that. He's greater than any sorrow that you may be dealing with. Right? Remember the words of Jesus in Luke 4, 18? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to do what? Heal the brokenhearted. Are you dealing with sorrow? Is your heart broken today? Christ wants to begin the healing in you. He says, I'm your healer. I'm your comfort. I'm your peace. He wants to wrap his arms around you and draw you real close to himself and tell you that he loves you and tell you that he's got you. And nothing's going to hurt you, even though you might have sorrow. And he's going to cry with you. He's going to weep with you. But he's also going to be there. Christ is greater than any situation you can ever imagine. Choose a situation. I don't care what situation you choose. Christ is greater than the situation. Whether it be emotional, physical, or spiritual. Jesus is greater than any situation you might be facing today. We're going to read in 1 John 5, 4, it says, For whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Where do you place your faith? Where's your faith this morning? Where is your faith? Because if it's in a man, you're in trouble. But if it's in Jesus Christ, you have everything you need for life and godliness. He's given you everything. Christ is greater than COVID-19. He's greater than the world's problems. He's greater than any social injustice. He's greater than any political party. He's greater than anything you can possibly imagine, even the boogeyman. (laughs) Veggie tales, God is greater than the boogeyman. Come on. So the question we have to ask is, so how do we overcome? How do we overcome Certainly not by our super intelligent and not by our dashing looks do we overcome. Not by our good intentions and not by our schemes and our plans. We don't overcome by that. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We are overcomers in Christ. One commentator I like so much, I, I, I'm going to quote him, and it's a long, but so bear with me. He said this, quote, These little children are, who are of God overcame the false teachers with their subtle, pernicious error so beautifully and attractively presented. First, not because they had super intelligence, 
You'll notice that it says nothing about them being smarter than their teachers, nor was it because they had been subjected to intense training in the cults. There's no word about that either. Nor is it that they had been supported on bulwark by clever arguments with which they were able to answer the errors of the teachers. No. Nor was it as their broad theological knowledge. There is none of this. John says, you overcame them because greater is he in you than he who is in the word. In other words, it is not anything these Christians had that delivered them. It was the one, capital O, who dwelt in them. It was greatness of God that kept them straight. It was the fact that God was greater than the spirit that was at work behind the errors of the teachers. This is what keeps us straight today, unquote. Wow. We are of God. And then John makes this incredible contrast. He says in verse 5, he said, they are of the world. There's the contrast. He points out this great contrast with this second group. Definitely different than the first. This is a huge contrast. You are of God. They are of the world. They are of the world. Those who are of the world are evident. Listen to how he finishes it. He said, therefore, because they're of the world, they speak as the world. And the world hears them. Those who are of the world are evident because they speak of the world. They speak of worldly things. All they know is worldly stuff. And they constantly speak of it. Oh, have you seen your stars? Are they aligned? What's your sign? What's your, what's your astrological sign? Have you had your palm red? No, my palm's flesh color, not red. Don't ask me where that came from. I'm thinking of Bugs Bunny painting a palm red. I can't help it, guys. It just happens to be. I don't know, man. They speak of the world speaks. They speak of the world speaks. You know, if, you know come on, you've, you've heard all the things. You've seen all the books. Go into, go into a, a bookstore and there's rows and rows and rows and rows of all these self-help things, what the world says you should need. You want to lose weight? Try this. No, try this. No, try that. No, try this. No, try that. No, I mean, there's a billion of them. They're all, come on. The world constantly, the influence of the world is evident in the way they speak. The way they speak, they speak all worldly things. Jesus warned about that. He said, out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So what's in your heart? Are you talking about the things of the world? Those who are of the world are also evident because the world hears them. When the world speaks, they listen. When E.F. Hutton speaks, we listen. The world speaks, people listen. When you speak, you face rejection because you're of God. When you speak the gospel, people reject you. They're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting God, but they hold their hand up to you. They don't face the rejection that we face because they're friends with the world. They're friends with the world. Those who are friends with the world, it says, are at enmity with God. Enmity, a harsh, strong words, which basically means they're at war with God, still at war with God. The Christian wants to speak to the world and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, and that's great. It's exciting when the world will listen. Every now and then you'll find somebody who's worldly who listens to the gospel. What an exciting time that is when you're able to give a reason for the hope that dwells within you. What a fun time that is when you have somebody who actually listens to you, and you can see them starting to listen. You can really see the cog starting to turn and the click and all that kind of stuff as they think. 
But we must take care that they're not hearing us because they speak as of the world. Just because the world is hearing the message doesn't prove that the message is God's message, hence the false teachers and the false prophets. I think there's a bigger danger here. I think when Christians want to sound like the world, I think when Christians want to use secular talk, when Christians want to become like the world, when Christians take the world and bring it into the church and the church becomes like the world and people walk in and go, there's no difference here than there is in the world. I think that's a problem. I think there's a major problem with that. But when the world speaks, the world listens. The word of God and the world don't mix very well. They do not mix very well. But then there's another contrast here in verse 6. He starts out, we're of God. I like that. We are of God. There's such a difference from the world. Once again, John is reminding us of who we are. We're of God. This is a reality. Say it with me. I am of God. God. Say it again. I am of God. Believe it. You are of God. You are a child of God. You are a child of the Most High. You are a prince or princess of the God, the creator of the universe. You belong to him. Those who are of God enjoy fellowship with other believers. We speak a common language. It's called Christianese. But we speak it and we realize it. And it it comes out. Come on. You've met somebody who you didn't know. You started talking to them. And all of a sudden, something's clicking. You know, wait a minute, you're a brother or a sister, and you know that because they're speaking the same language through the Spirit. They're speaking that. The language of fellowship transcends language. It transcends culture. It transcends class, and it transcends race. Race is not an issue when you're a Christian. Race is no longer an issue because we're all one in Jesus Christ. He is the issue. One flows from the other. The common language, it's a true gift of God. When we know God, we're of God. We hear the Bible, what it says. He who is not of God doesn't hear us. It's almost like they're blocked from hearing us. They can't hear us. Understanding just who hears God has been taught through the apostles as recorded in the New Testament. It helps us to know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If someone hears what God has said in the Bible, we know he has the spirit of truth. If he does not hear it, he has the spirit of error. That's what it says here. He who knows God hears us. He who does not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We can see that. It's evident. Gusick says this, quote, John makes it clear that error has a, a, a spiritual dynamic to it. It isn't just about being educated or smart. Some very educated, very smart people can still be influenced mightily by the spirit of error. Since error has a spiritual dynamic to it, keeping the spirit of truth is a spiritual issue. How do we keep the spirit of truth? By abiding in Jesus Christ constantly. Never see yourself separated from Christ. We keep the spirit of truth by clinging to Jesus Christ. He is the one. I mean, look at the three things he said to Thomas. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We cling to that. We cling to that. You know, when we are overcomers, we have special promises from Jesus, especially in the book of Revelation. When you read the book of Revelation, there are special promises to the overcomers. In chapter 2, verse 7, 
we are overcomers and we will be able to eat of the tree of life. In chapter 2, verse 11, the overcomers, they will not be hurt by the second death. In chapter 2, 17, the overcomers will be able to eat from the hidden manna and will receive a white stone with a new name written on it. In chapter 2, 26, the overcomers will be given the power over nations. In chapter 3, verse 5, the overcomers will be clothed in white raiment and their names will not be blotted out of the book of life. Jesus will confess their names before the Father and before his angels. In chapter 3, verse 12, those who are overcomers will be made a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall go out no more. And Jesus said, he will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. To those that are overcomers, he will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I have overcome and am set down with the Father in his throne. Imagine that sitting on the very throne of God. Imagine, if you will, sitting there with him. Wow. According to Paul, in the book of Ephesians, we're already there, being seated with him in heavenly places. What a glorious thought, to be seated with him. I always like to say, and I've said this before, if Jesus is on the right hand of God the Father, and we are in him and we are seated on the throne. And I'm on God's right hand now. All I have to do to talk to him is go, Abba, Father, he's right there. That's how close we are. Greater is he in you than he was in the world. And finally, in chapter 21, verse 7, the promise is given that he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Oh my, how do we over, how do we earn this or how do we get this? We can't earn it, but how do we become overcomers? John declared in chapter two that young men had overcome the wicked one because of the word that was abiding in him. It's God's word in our hearts. That's the powerful weapon against the enemy. David declared it first, thy word I've hid in my heart that I might sin against you. Your word's in my heart. How did Jesus overcome the Satan's temptations? It is written by the word of God. In chapter 5, verse 4, John's going to say and declare that whoever is born of God overcomes the world. He said that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What great victories are wrought by faith, by believing, just believing. In chapter 5, verse 5, John said, He is he that overcomes the world, he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus overcame Satan's power over us when he died on the cross. When he died on that cruel cross that day, he broke Satan's chains that were on us. He broke the chains that bound us. He has set us free. He has set the captives free. Paul told the Colossians that Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers that were against us when he triumphed on them on the cross. Do you see how important the cross is to us? So many things happened on the cross that Jesus was able to say, it is finished. False teachers, false prophets want to do away with the cross. Want to say that the cross isn't worth anything. That it was a mistake. Oh my, what blasphemy. Oh my, don't ever buy into that. Don't ever buy into the fact, well, the cross of Jesus Christ is night, but you need something more. This is nothing new. The Judaizers said that for years. This is not new. The death of Christ on the cross spelled defeat for Satan and his hold on your life. 
Greater is he that is in you than is he is in the world. That is in us, the Holy Spirit. Jesus declared, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait in Jerusalem, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and in the outermost portions of the world. If you don't have that baptism, if you don't have that Holy Spirit, you need it. Because he that is in the world is Satan. We need to recognize that Satan is not an opposite of God. He's not an opposite of God. He's a created being. God is eternal forever. God is almighty. Satan's powers are limited. Satan even complained to God when he put a hedge around Job, remember? But God allowed him work. We have to realize what is in us. We have to realize what we have been given by God. The promise of the Father, Jesus called it. The promise of the Father has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been freely given to you. Just like grace upon grace for salvation has been freely given to you. And all you need to do is accept and believe by faith and be an overcomer by faith. Mercy me. Had it. Bring your tired. Bring your shame. Bring your guilt. And bring your pain. Don't you know that that's not your name? You will always be much more to me, God talking. But every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's all right. Because I hear a voice and he calls me redeemed. When others say I'll never be enough. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. Greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. Bring your doubts, bring your fears, bring your hurt and bring your tears. There's no condemnation here. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. Every time I fall, there'll be those who will call me a mistake. That's okay. There'll be days I lose the battle. Grace says it doesn't matter because the cross already won the war. God is greater. He is greater. I am learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me. And it makes me love him even more and more. He is greater. He is greater. Because I hear a voice and he calls me redeemed. When others say I'll never be enough. Greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. Greater is the one living inside of you than he who is living in the world. Believe that today, folks, and leave here in victory. Leave here knowing that you are an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Do not see yourself separated from his love. Do not ever see yourself separated from him because in him you have overcome the world because he's already done it. He's already taken care of it on the cross. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. I challenge you today, I challenge you today, my beloved, my dear ones, my darlings, my little children, I challenge you today to be an overcomer in the year 2021. Start it off by believing what the scripture says about you. You are of God. We are of God. We are not of this world. The world has nothing to do with us. And I like it that way. And I want it that way. Because greater is he who lives in me than he who is in the world. And greater is he that lives in you than he who lives in the world. You are You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dave Shank on Assure Hope. 
Does your heart tend to ride the turbulent waves of the circumstances you find yourself in? Or are you more of that calm, steady sea that's fairly even and consistent? Well, in this book, John wrote to his readers to grow in their zeal and love for God while refuting those who were teaching false things. There is a steadiness that's encouraged, despite the waves of emotion and turmoil that you may face. Having that steadfast focus on God and His promise of eternal life is what can help your heart be at peace and be calm. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time of God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. All you need to know is our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 1 John today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.